Thank you, Lord. Oh. Welcome to Radiant 17, everybody. We talked about faith last week. We talked about that, that fire that lives in us and how we can access what he has already given us through faith. We're going to continue to dig in that because the Holy Spirit is wanting to really help you understand another aspect of walking in faith. Hmm. I want to read Mark 11 to you. Thank you, Lord. Mark 11. Thank you, Jesus. Mark 11. Mark 11, verse 20, and it says this, In the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to his remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. Peter says, Master, behold, means pay attention the fig tree which you have spoken to what you have cursed has withered away the thing that he had spoken to responded to the command that came out of his mouth and because it came out of his mouth that tree had to follow what was being spoken. And Jesus answered and says unto him, Have faith in God. Or have the God type faith. Jesus' life was an example. He wasn't just Lord. He wasn't just fully God and fully man, but he was our example of a new breed, a believer that would walk in a whole new way, long, long, totally different from them of the Old Testament. They walked with the spirit of the Lord coming upon them and empowering them to do what they could not do. But we walk with the spirit of of Emmanuel living in us, living and breathing in holy union, moving us to do the things that we could not do and walk as God. Jesus tells them, he says, we are gods or ye are gods because you are the children of God. That's what Psalms 84 and 11, because when they were angry with him saying, you're liking yourself under God, you're making yourself like God. And Jesus says, if I speak other than what other than what who I am I am a lie I cannot lie I cannot tell any other story than that which has been established that which has been founded in me I have to tell you the truth and they could not grasp it because why because of sin sin keeps you from ascending 
from becoming, from walking in. And they were religious. So they were up under another spirit that was empowering them to believe legalistically in things, but never walking in the total, total full revelation of what God was saying. They were moving to the beat of their understanding and what they understood holiness looked like or what it looked like to be God's children. Matter of fact, their premise or what they stood upon was that they were they were biologically seeds of Abraham. And we find in the book of John, they tried to come at Jesus and say, we are the seed of Abraham. And Jesus just throws that out the window and says, that means nothing. Because if you were truly the seed of Abraham, you would love me. Because Abraham, my friend, loved me. But they were not on the same page. They were of a different spirit. They were up under something else that was orchestrating, that was, uh, that was dictating and determining how they would, how they would react and, and, and move and breathe. Jesus is telling them, I am he who you're looking for. And so we're being conformed to the image of him to carry this type of faith that moves things, that shifts things, that can speak life and speak death. The Bible talks about the power, the light, the power in tongue, in the tongue that we have, has the power of life and death in it. Has the ability to speak life, has the ability to speak death, has the ability to speak blessing, has the ability to speak curse. Depending on the person and according to the faith that's moving in them. Yes, faith doesn't just move positive. You can empower things, especially negative things, if, if you believe it, if you receive it, if you entertain it, if you, if you meditate on it, you will empower things to be in your life that shouldn't be in your life. And a lot of times they're the devil was blamed. Matter of fact, he gets too much glory for the things that we people, humans, do. He's not God. He's not everywhere. He roams to and fro, but he's not everywhere. It's our human nature that we got to bring under subjection. It is us that we have to put under, under the authority of the Lord. And say, we will not move and breathe like this. We will not do what we've been doing, but we're going to do what he says and, and he does. Jesus said this, and I love how in John, he moves in step with the Father to fulfill the thing that he was supposed to fulfill. He tells him, I can do nothing of myself. I alone cannot do nothing of myself because I didn't even send myself here. I didn't even make myself to be here. It was of the Father's will that I would come and be here. And I'm in agreement with it that I would save you. But it required me to walk as a human, to walk as you, to walk as a sheep and allowing the shepherd Yahweh to lead me to guide me. It, it required me to be in communion and such communion that I would do and say what my father is doing and saying. He had, he possessed power. He possessed all power over the enemy. The enemy was no match for Jesus, 
but it did not give him a license to move and breathe and do his own thing and, and move and breathe in his own agenda. The agenda was always what has been spoken, what has been declared, what has been written. That was the agenda. He says, I will do nothing or more than what God has established. He's talking about his father. He's modeling for you and I how we ought to operate, how we ought to move. We ought to move in such synchron, synchron, synchronization with the Spirit that we only speak and say what the Spirit is speaking and saying. We we'll only do as the Spirit is dictating what to do. And I guarantee you, if you move like that, you will be successful in all that you're doing for the Lord. Because why? The Holy Spirit that has been given to us as such a gift. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the earnest part of our inheritance. It is the earnest part of our inheritance. That means there's, there's so much more, but this part is the sweetest part. And you get to have it here on this side of glory instead of having to wait on that side of glory to really fully embrace it. You get it here now and you get to move and breathe like King Jesus. But he gives, he's showing P Peter a lesson. He's giving them a lesson. He's always and has been always constantly teaching them, schooling them, helping them to see. There, there were three and a half years of teaching moments with Jesus. Because why? He was preparing them to walk like him. He was preparing them to be him. Hence, he tells them, what I do, if you believe, you will do those things and more. Better yet, he that foreknew you, it was in his mind, he foreordained that you would be conformed to the image of his son. So it was always the mind of God that this new breed of believer would come forth, would manifest. It would truly walk in such oneness with God, such authority and power on this side of glory, and that what is beyond this, this is the training ground. Life is continuous in Christ Jesus, and this is the training ground. And if you get it right here, you're going to rule and reign there. The world is preparing to die. If you run the rat race of the world, get on the hamster wheel, you know, married by 30, kids by 35, I'm just picking a house in the picket fence, um, all these other things, and then what? You retire, what, 55, 60? And then what? You die. But the plan of the Lord is that we would not only get this life, but the life to come. That we're not preparing to die in terms of the way the world is dying. Yes, we die daily that more life comes forth. We die daily that more of Christ Jesus comes to life in us. We die daily that this, in, this corruptible would put on incorruptible, that this incorruption that lies in us would come forth, that this glory that is hidden in us that is waiting to break forth and to break out and to be seen by the people of God or by the world itself, There's some glory, the Bible says, in this. There's some glory that we get to see on this side uh, of glory. But we know it culminates when we stand before him.
So he tells Peter, have faith in God. Have the God type faith. And tonight we're going to look at not just talking about having that type of faith, but we're going to talk about some way, some things that allow us to be able to maintain that type of faith. Thank you, Lord. 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 So he tells them to have the God type of faith. So we're going to dig in. Let's go over to Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 14, and it reads, and it says, And God has both raised up the Lord and will raise up us, so that he's already raised up Jesus, and he will raise us up in his own power. Know ye that your bodies are the members of Christ. All of us on here collectively are the members of, of, of Christ. We are his body. And, and shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? Mm. God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is in one body? Hmm. For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication and every sin that a man doeth without the body. But he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God? You are not your own. For he has brought you with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Here is Paul helping the Corinthians who were Gentiles trying to walk this thing out, but understanding that they needed to know you cannot carry on the way you used to. You cannot entertain the things you used to. You cannot walk the way you used to because there is something that has been given so precious to you. It is the earnest part of your salvation and he lives in you. Paul says, I got to give you this reference. You are a house that is being built and refitted and retrofitted for the Holy Spirit. You are constantly allowing him, like the song says, you're making room for him in this temple. A lot of times we get, we get to thinking 
It's about a building four walls. But he's not Emmanuel in the four walls. He's Emmanuel in you. You are the temple. I remember sitting on the bus stop one years ago, sitting on the bus stop talking to the Lord. And one day, like the Lord just walked up and said, ask me a question. He said, do you know I go everywhere with you? And I nonchalantly and not even giving it a thought, you know, just kind of superficially said, oh, yeah, Lord. He says, no, you don't understand. I go everywhere with you. And it was in that moment that I was like, oh, wait, you're, wow. The areas that I'm struggling, the foolishness that I'm still tied into, you are there witnessing, not judging me, but witnessing. Because we've been given something so special and if we allow God to do what he needs to do, the fullness of that would be on display like you wouldn't believe. But yes, we all have to walk through the process of sanctification. We all have to walk through that process of being molded and shaped and knowing how to walk and really host him. Really live in a place of the fear of the Lord where you can say honestly, I do things and I don't do things because I love him. It has nothing to do with fear, has nothing to do with me being afraid, has everything to do with the honor and respect that I have for him. So I won't carry myself, I won't conduct myself, I won't entertain those things. When I do, I will quickly repent because I love him more than I love the things of the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so Paul says, I have to give you some perspective. I got to open your mind up because you want to do things like you used to. You want to treat the grace of God like it's there to wait on you, like it's there to take your order, like it's there to hear and move and breathe and do what you want it to do when it's the other way around, when the, the, when the grace of God has been there to empower you, to cause you to stand to move and breathe, to say no, and to say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I don't have to be under that anymore. That doesn't have me anymore. I'm no longer a slave to that anymore. I'm free. I, am, I have the spirit of the Lord. I'm joint heirs with Christ Jesus. I am here to carry out the mandate of the kingdom. I am here to do the thing that my father has called me to do. I've been sent here to fulfill some things. There are things that are written about me before the foundations of the earth. Me and my father sat back and thought about it and planned this out. And then he sent me here in the flesh and he came to meet me on this side of glory that I in him would walk together in holy union and fulfill those things that we have talked about before we were ever here. And we would do it all in the image, in the likeness of Christ Jesus. Hope. Huh. So I cannot walk the way I used to walk. I cannot carry on the way I used to. It's not about being holier than I. It's everything about being loved. What you love is what you will obey. What you love is what you will honor, what you will what you will go you will bend over backwards to please. If you are in a relationship and you are walking in a relationship, you're going to do the things you that that need to be done to make that individual happy. Why won't you do it for the Lord? 
because you're in a relationship with him. This is not a religion. This is not he is the boss and you are the subordinate and you tells you what to do. This is a co-laboring co-laboring relationship. A father and son, a father and daughter, the family of God, his body, him being the head, and you are moving and breathing as the head is sending signals to the hands and the feet to do the things that need to be done. We can no longer move like we are apart from him and think that it's okay and slap his name on it like it's God when it's not God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he tells them, you are a house. And he tells them, he says, if you are one with God, you are one in one spirit. He's talking about if you are married, if you are part of the members of Christ, you are one spirit. He says, but if you are members of a harlot, you are one flesh. He's talking about breaking your emotional ties, your soul ties with anything that is counter or anti-God. He's not talking about just relationships. Boyfriend and girlfriend relationships that are doing things you shouldn't be doing. He's talking about your fellowship with the world. He's taking it a, a whole deeper, a whole nother level. It isn't just that girl or guy that you're sleeping with or pornography that you're looking at. He's talking about the love of the world because if you still love the world, you will bow to it and you will serve it. Jesus tells you, no man can serve two masters. You're either going to be faithful to one or you're, and you're going to be unfaithful to the other. You can't burn candles at both ends and corinthians says and when you're taking the lord's supper you cannot drink the cup of the enemy and drink from the cup of god because if you do there is no fear of the lord in you and if there's no fear of the lord there's no wisdom because the beginning of wisdom is the fear of god are you hearing what I'm saying? You want wisdom, but you have no fear. You have no reverence. There's no love in your heart that calls you away. Moving and breathing in him. And when I talk about the world, I'm talking about the system of the world. I'm not talking about the plants and the ocean and the nice trees and the mountains. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the system, the spirit of this world that you were saved from, that you were constantly being saved from, that you were constantly being sanctified from. But Paul says, you are a house. You are a house for the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And he says, anything you do with this temple, anything you do with these hands, anything you do with these legs, anything you do with any body part of your life, and it's sinful, you are sinning against that which is in you. You are, you are a, better yet, let's take it a little bit further. You are an altar 
There are mobile altars, meaning there is a place where you go and pray in your house or you pray in your car or your secret place you go to. But you yourself is an altar, a burning altar that burns for the Lord. You pray wherever you go, whether it is out on a walk, on, on a vacation, in your car. You are an altar. And if you allow your members that are members of Christ Jesus to be the members of a harlot, to be a harlot is one who just does whatever she wants to do. She is one who has no covenant. That's why she's called a harlot. For you are the wife. You are the bride. A bride is one who has a covenant. A one that made a commitment that says, I will be faithful. I will be, I will only honor you. I will only walk in oneness with you and you and another I will not entertain. And it does not matter what it looks like. I'm going to walk with you. There is a difference. He says, if you that are covenant lovers walk like or are or, or still connected to that spirit that is a harlot, don't you know you becoming one with that? You're building a soul tie. And that's why it makes the struggle for you to get free from that thing because there is a there is a there is a relationship that needs to be broken. There is a connection that needs to be destroyed. Your love for it needs to die. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You say, what does this have to do with what Jesus spoke to Peter? Jesus was the example of what I'm explaining to you right now. What Paul was telling the Corinthians right there, Jesus was the example. And he did it as a man showing you that you can do it just like he did. If grace is being utilized every day to help you, to aid you, to empower you, to do what you cannot do, then you will do it and you will be victorious and you will overcome. But if you treat grace the way you've been treating grace, like it's there to wait on you, like it's your butler or your maid to follow your every whim, then you will never live the way you're supposed to live. You'll always be subpar. You'll always be behind. You'll always be struggling because that which he has done has finished it. And if he has finished it, then he has empowered us to stand and be that and if that's not true then we're all in trouble so it comes to the point where is god truly god or is he not and if he's not then go do what you're going to do but don't be middle ground he said i'd rather you be hot or cold but if you're middle ground i'm going to spit you out i don't want to be one with you because you love another can you imagine being married to somebody and they step out and they start going after somebody else and you have pledged your heart, you have pledged your love, you said for better or for worse, we're going to stand this out, we're going to walk this ground. I am committed all the way to the end, all the way to the grave to die with you. I, my last breath will be looking at you telling I love you. I'm committed to you. And that individual takes what you said and says, okay, that's good. And then find somebody else to be with. He wants to have you and that person. The Lord is saying that's, or Paul was saying that's the way the Corinthians were walking. They were walking that way. That's why some of us have walked that way. I am a better son today than I was before. Yes, there is grace for you to learn to come through sanctification and to be better. 
but you're striving to be better. You're moving to be better. Grace gives no license for you to continue in sin willfully. I'm sorry. It is not your maid, it is not your butler, and it is definitely not your license to continue in foolishness. God forbid. It has been given to you to favor you. Grace is the favor, the undeserved favor of God that would rest upon you, that would move the hearts of man, that moves God's heart to do the things that need to be done. It is the, it is the, it is the ability of God that aids you, that gives you the, the strength, the wisdom, the know-how to move and breathe. It gives you the tenacity. It gives you character. It's, it's grace is fully God being given to you to do what you could not do and to live victorious, to be that overcomer because you believe in Christ Jesus, not just in words, but in also deeds. Hence, that's what James said, that faith without works is dead. Because if I cannot see that what you're saying is truly what you believe, then what you're within what you are is a liar. And you're just giving nothing but live service. You may just say that this is hard. This is truth. And we as believers need to understand that the devil and the and, and the kingdom of darkness does not play fair. And it is my job and the job of others that are like me to tell you the truth to speak to you, to call you out from among them so that you are not sucked in the vacuum when that fails. Because trust me, the Bible has already prophesied that that is going to fail. Just look at Revelations 18. And all those that are in bed with that harlot, that in bed with that system, in bed with those things, that is going to take you to a place that you don't want to go. The Bible says all of them will, will weep and cry because they got rich off of her. They, they, they were able to live this lavish life off of selling themselves out to the enemy. When God has a better way, He tells Peter, if you have the type of faith that I have, you can speak to that tree. You can speak to that mountain. You can speak to those things. What, I'm, what am I painting the picture? I'm painting the picture to show you that your words may not have no uh no power, no impact because of the vessel it's coming from. Is it? living the way they should. And then you get mad and frustrated. Well, I spoke the word and it didn't happen. I spoke the word and it did nothing, did nothing. Do you know our dear brother prayed, a dear brother prayed for people over and over and over and over again. And we're talking about thousands of people before he actually saw healing. He was willing to continue to pray, 
to continue to exercise his faith, continue to allow God to do what he needs to do. He continued to die to the things that need to be died, but he kept exercising his faith until what he prayed became a reality. And he is known one of a generals in the faith. Generals in the faith. So no one it's born, no one is automatically in this. No, you you work for this. You 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 die to things so that the life of Christ can come forth, so that the Holy Spirit that came into your spirit to go and heal your soul, to go outward, to to be to put you on display. You are a written epistle for men to see. What are they going to see? They're going to see, hopefully, who Christ Jesus is in the form of you. And the Bible says this in Ephesians 3 and 18. We're starting 17. It says, and that Christ, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That is important. That Christ dwells in your heart by faith. That ye be rooted and grounded in him. That's oneness. That's not going here, going there. There's no, I am convinced you are the way, you are the life. Like Peter and them said when he told the 70 and all the other ones, he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they thought he was talking about cannibalism. But they were not able to spiritually discern he was talking about his body that was going to be broken. His blood that was the representation of the new wine, the new covenant that God was establishing. But they thought after the flesh, because flesh and blood can tell you nothing about the things of God. And they walked away. All 70 of his disciples walked away. And there was nothing but the 12. And Jesus looks at the 12 and said, will you too walk away like the others? And Peter said, where will we go? You got the words of life. We know what you say is true. We may not get and understand what you are saying in this moment right now, but we know that we know we have met the one who carries everything. And we are willing to stick this out. Are you willing to walk this out and allow God to do what he needs to do in you? Or will you be like the 70 that'll hear something that will told that, that you're trying to understand in your in your finite mind and not engage this in the spirit? Because why? This walk of God will weed out them that will want to walk in the flesh and them that walk in the spirit. The spirit wants to fulfill the will of God. The flesh does not want to. And people that want to entertain the flesh, they entertain the things of this world. You will, you will eventually be weeded out by the invitation of the Lord. Sometimes God will extend the invitation, and that invitation will will sift out the ones that really hear. That's why Jesus said, "He that has an ear, let him hear." Because the what I'm saying is for the ones that are truly listening, that are ready to obey, that have an ear to hear what I'm truly saying. People hear, but they're not responding. They're not moving on what God's saying. They just say, oh, that's a good word. That's a good word. That's a good word. Man, pat you on the back. That's a good word. But it has no impact in them because they love something else. And so if the word has no impact in you, you will have no impact in the world the way you should. 18. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, 
the length, the depth, and the height of who? God's love. To know that the love of Christ, which passes all understanding, that you may be able, that you might be filled with the fullness of God, that in Christ's love, as you know it, the, the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, that the fullness of God is meant to live in you. Not a portion. The fullness of God is meant to live in you, breathing you. Because it breathed and moved in Jesus. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we would ask him or think according to what? According to the power that is in you. According to the power that is in you. Mm. According to the power that is in you. First Peter 2 and 9 says that, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You are a chosen generation, not just generation uh, uh, Z, not just generation uh, millennial, not just generation X and the baby boomers. You are a chin chosen generation a people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that are different. who has been called out of darkness into the marvelous light. Who's been called out of darkness into the marvelous light. This is who you are. You are a priest, you are a priesthood, a delegation of prophets and pastors and apostles and evangelists, and teachers. You are a delegation the body, the members of Christ, carrying and moving and breathing as he would. We've been called to live as he would, to do as he would. And God is with us, but it requires you to live in love with him. It requires you to love nothing else but him. It requires you to break all relationship that you would be with him. Because I tell you, friends, if you are anxious for anything, if you are anxious for anything, if you are anxious, that means you want that so much so that if it required you to compromise, you will compromise. Being anxious is not of the Lord. He says, be content. Bring everything in prayer and supplication unto the Lord.
if you are anxious, you are in fear that God will not do this, so you got to do this yourself. And so anything and anything that will come your way, you will bite on it, you will, you will, you will jump on it because you feel you have to make it happen. When really it says somewhere in your heart, you have not given him, so it does not allow you to trust him because you're still operating the way you operated in the world. You are still feeling like you need to do this yourself. When he says, I can be trusted. Oh, I trust you with this and I'll trust you with that. But this here, God, I got this. I don't need your help in this. And he graciously just sits there and wait because he, he'll outweigh you. He'll let you run to that and eventually you'll run to him. He doesn't impose, he just knocks. And when that fails, he will be right there to embrace you. Not judge you, embrace you. And say, are you ready to do it my way? Are you ready to go that way? But maybe the reason why the narrow road can't be found or people can't find it is because their eyes are on the road that is broad and everybody's on it and it appeals to them so much so that they have not broken or breaking their covenant with the Lord. I mean, with, with that thing there, the Lord of this world, the God of this world. Because they have not broken that, that appeals to them more than that narrow road. They can't even see it. When you are up under the things of this world, it blinds you to the things of God. Or that makes the things of God not attractive. Because why? I can get it my way and I can get it faster. And I don't have to go through no process. If you're not willing to work, to sacrifice, to do the things so that you can step in because here's the thing we get to live this life we get to walk and breathe and be like jesus but i guarantee you this is about god's will being done in each and every one of our lives and we get to be married we get to have kids we get to build businesses and travel and and, and build orphanages and do all kind of amazing things and leave a legacy behind for those that are left behind to commemorate what we've done but if all of that is more of your focus than that which truly matters you have totally missed it and you'll be like one of those that said i did all this in your name and he'll say i never knew you i never knew you He is building a house that would host his spirit. He is coming. And I'm not talking about the second coming. That's when that'll come when it's coming. I'm talking about he is coming. The spirit of the Lord is coming. And it's going to rest on those who are ready. Who are willing to host him. 
Can I give you new wine if you don't have new wineskins? No. But I can give it to them that do. Because why? They will be known, my disciples, my true covenant lovers will be known by what? The love that they have. Not just the love that they have for God, but the love that they have for their fellow man. Not that not that accommodating love that's like a hotel and bring everybody in and you can just be the way you want to be. The love of God has the ability to embrace you and meet you where you are. But I guarantee you, once you are consumed by it, once you are embraced by it, the fiery love of God will refine, renew, and restore, and redeem. And when you come out of it, you are definitely different than what you came in. That's the love I'm talking about. The love that says, this is not who you are, and what they say is not who you are. This is who you are because I know you, and you were made for me, and only I can tell you who you are. No man, no books, no thing on this earth can determine and dictate about who you are unless you give it the power to do so. And when you live like that, you are living under the curse of the fall. We are people that meant for more. So how do I be this house? How can I not tread uh, how can i walk right how can i walk in righteousness how do i keep this altar holy this temple holy before the lord i'll give you an example say for instance you have a prayer room or a prayer spot a closet that you go in and you pray and engage the lord and you have anointed this place as a place to meet god or even say for instance you go to a secret place that no one knows and you go to engage the Lord there. That is your holy place. That is your special sweet place that you don't take anybody into. Except you. Now, if you're married, you would probably bring your wife or your, your husband there. But that's a place that is holy. And holy means to be dedicated for the explicit use of the Lord. What would mess that holy place up and make it common is that you would bring a TV in and put a TV up there and play Netflix on there and watch Netflix in the place that you are what? Meeting, meeting the Lord. It's like bringing another lover into your marriage bed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if you love your mate, you would not treat that which is holy, which is undefiled. The Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled before the Lord. And if it's undefiled, then I'm going to keep it holy and undefiled. And I'm not going to bring anything that would defile it before the Lord. I'm not going to bring anybody in that space that would cause that place to not be holy, but common. I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to walk worthy and guard this place. I'm going to be careful what I entertain. 
I'm not going to give place to nonsense and stuff that would what? Pollute. Because why? The one who loves me the most lives in me. Do I love him enough to say, uh-uh, I'm not watching that. I'm not looking at that. I'm not, I'm not engaging that. It's not out of fear. It's out of love. Because I choose to be the righteousness of God. I choose to walk with him, with my choice. I choose the blessing. I choose the goodness. I don't want none of that other stuff. Do you love him enough to do that? Because without that aspect right there, the other aspects of the fear of the Lord means nothing. Because it's about what you love. And you say, what does that have to do with being able to speak to stuff? The more that I become the one who my father said he is making me into the more impact the more power i'm going to walk in according to the faith that faith have faith in god or in, in hebrews it says what we must believe you know without god is impossible to to, to walk with him or please him but that we must first believe who he is who is he at the beginning as others were coming on to log on I had something playing that was talking about the different names of God who is he he is everything you need he is all the things you need he is any of the things that you need and if you just have faith in who he is and you keep this temple right, you honor him, you honor him, you, you honor him. You want to begin to honor God? Steward this well. That's why I love when the Lord says, when, you, when husband and wives are, you're praying for somebody, Lord, I want you to change them. And God says, good, yes, I'm going to change them, but I'm going to change you first. Because we never think there's anything wrong with us. No, he's going to change you first. Because if I'm called to the office of a prophet or I have a gifting of prophecy to speak or I'm moving in the grace of the prophet, because there's three tiers of prophecy. There is a, the grace level where everybody can prophesy because of the spirit of the Lord that lives in you. There is a prophecy. There's a gift of prophecy. There is a gift, a prophetic gift. And then there's an office. Whether you walk either one of those areas, I want my temple to be clean i want my filters to be clean so that i can hear clearly so that i can see clearly so that what's coming out of me got is doesn't have no garbage or junk that i'm in bed with have you ever received the word from somebody that seemed like the, that felt like the word of the lord but there was some nasty stuff attached to it and he's like what is that 
It's probably somebody that's not walking the way they should be walking. Because the more you fellowship in the word, the more we fellowship in the word, the more we're being washed and clean. Jesus tells him, you are all clean because I have given you the word, the truth. The truth has the ability to what? Burn away anything that needs to be burned, has a way to smash anything like a hammer that needs to be broken. It has the ability and, and it is on assignment to what? To reveal Christ Jesus in you. Is the word a lamp unto your feet? Is it a light unto your path? Do you hide his words in your heart? Because your heart was made for his word and his spirit. Your heart was not made for all the other stuff that you go through. It is made for him. That's the place where he resides. That's the place where he lives in you and I. That's why he knocks at the door of your heart. And if any man opens, I'll come in and I'll fellowship and I'll, I'll knock again at the door of your heart because I want all of it, every part of it. Jesus was the example of that. He was our example. And when he spoke, his words had weight on it. It, it had weight. The Bible says there was another man in, in the gospel or man, another man in, in the Bible that walked like Jesus did. His name was Samuel. The Bible says that everything Samuel, Samuel said, his words never fell to the ground. That means every prophetic word he spoke, it landed. It came to pass. It had life on it. Jesus walked in that fully and completely. And do you know you and I, we can walk in that? We can have that? He modeled that. But he also lived a life that made room for that. That stewarded that in such a way that he could hear from the Holy Spirit. He could move and breathe with his Father. That he was so submitted and willing to say, I will do and say what you're doing. I'm going to operate and move the way you are. But Jesus loved the Father. And we're going to land this plane. And the question you have to ask yourself is, what do you love? Do what you do for the Lord, is, is it love that makes you do it? Or are you just striving, trying to do things, check off a list and trying to be right in front of others or trying to look good in front of other people, but your heart is not in it because your heart is, is betrothed to another lover. And those people can't see it because it looks good because they're staring at this. Except those that maybe, that, that those that are walking in discernment can discern and look and say, oh, that ain't adding up. But you can't fool the Lord because the Lord sees it. Do you stay away from sin because you're in fear that you're going to fall? Or do you don't 
entertain sin because I love him too much. If you're in fear, that which you fear will happen to you. Read the book of Job. The thing that he greatly feared happened. He offered offerings unto the Lord because his, his kids were living unholy, throwing parties and doing all kind of crazy stuff. And he offered up offerings. And the Bible says the thing that he greatly feared came upon him. If you fear something, you are welcoming it to come upon you. Because you are to walk in faith. That which is committed unto the Lord, he's more than able to keep. That which he's begun in you, he's going to finish. You are engraved in his hands. Yahweh said that in the Old Testament. Jesus in the New said, no man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. If you're abiding. If you're abiding. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is it love, your love for God, that drives you, that pushes you, that says, I love him more than anything. I'm willing to yield and allow him to do what needs to be done. Because that's what it comes down to. David lived in a place of abiding. David was like an Old Testament saint. He was an Old Testament figure, but a New Testament believer. The Bible says he would acknowledge the Lord in all his ways and God would direct his path. He chose to ask, God, should I do this? And God would, yeah, lead his steps. God, should I go? God would lead his steps. The only time David got in trouble is when he didn't inquire of the Lord and he went and did something that he shouldn't have done and got himself in trouble. You are in union with the Lord. You are in holy union with him. If you are married to somebody, would you make decisions without them? No. You would consult them. You would talk to them. You would let them know. Even if you had to make a decision at work or something, you had to do something, you're going to let your mate know, hey, this is what I did. This is what I had. To, okay, cool. Why not with the Lord? You're married to him. You're the bride. He's the bridegroom. Why won't you let him know? Why won't you include him in? Why doesn't he have no say? Do you only love him because he does good things for you? Do you only come to him because you need him? And the other things you can do yourself because you don't need his help when you really do? Saying to God, we got to walk in oneness. We got to walk in union with him. This is what we're called to. The body of Christ can no longer move apart from the head. Because that's been the problem. You individually cannot move apart from God. Because it will be detrimental to you. It would be your destruction. And the Bible, John 15 says that. You cannot bear fruit without me. And if you say, if you disconnect from me, you will dry up. That means you will die. Life comes through the vine. And if you're not connected to the vine, there's no life in you. 
There's no strength in you. That means whatever you face in life, if I stay connected to Jesus, there's grace to be able to overcome, to get through, to, to prevail, to triumph it. May, it may punch me in the face that day, but I guarantee you it will not get the victory over you because you are connected to him. He is your strength. He is everything you need. But the moment you disconnect from him, you have nothing to help you but yourself to get you through. Hence, the scripture says, if that branch breaks away, it will dry up and it will be gathered, handled by men and thrown into the fire. In other words, if I'm connected to the true vine, man is not going to handle me the way they want to handle me because God is with me. And when they try, the Lord is going to deal. But if I'm by myself and I have no connection, or I have no faith in my connection, because you can be connected, but sometimes we don't have faith. We got more faith in what they will do to us as opposed to what God will do for us. Or what he's promised he would do for us. We got more faith they're going to hurt us than what he's going to do. For we shall walk by faith and not by sight. What is your faith in? Is it in the thing you love? And most of the time it is. And if it's in the thing you love, I hope it's Jesus. Because you're going to be fine. But if it's in anything else, you better, you better repent and bring that under the Lord. And stop moving from apart from him. Consult him. Talk to him. A new person comes in your life. Talk to the Lord. Ask him, who is this? Who is this in it before I engage? Who is this person? I didn't always move like that. You want to embrace everybody. Oh, man, you're great. Oh, you're mm -mm. You, I learned you get burned like that. You'll find out everybody is everybody that says, Lord, Lord is not God's children. That scripture's in there for a reason. It isn't in there because they just needed to fill some space. It's truth being told to you that you can't. Uh -uh. Why? Because there are some sent by the devil to hurt you. There's some broken individuals that what? Hurt people hurt people. So why not ask God if somebody new coming to your life? Who is that? Who is that person? David inquired of the Lord. That's what made him successful. And hence he told his son, Solomon, always acknowledge the Lord. Always invite him and he will direct your path. Commit your ways unto him and he will bring everything that you're praying for to pass. But that requires you to live in holy union, covenant union, oneness with him. And this message about, oh, you're powerful. God wants you to make decisions. He empowers you to make the right decisions at the right time. I'll, I'll give hints, hints. I'll give you an example. He spoke to the earth and did all the things he did for the earth. Then on the sixth day, he made man. And after he made man, God stopped speaking to the earth. He gave it man's job to do it. Hence in Genesis chapter 2, what did he do? He brought the animals that he formed from the ground. He brought the herbs and he said, Adam, you name them. Whatever you call them, that's what they'll be. That was trust. And because why? God knew 
Adam was going to do and name, and he would do the very thing that God himself would do because he was in oneness with the Lord. And because of Christ Jesus, we walk in him. He entrusts us to do it when he, he's allowing or when the spirit is leading. But this message that we're powerful almost seems like apart from God, I can just start declaring and decreeing and putting out there. Let me tell you, friends, you cannot do that if God is not saying that. He says, what if it's my will? Yes, you have the petition. It will happen. If it's not my will, then you are setting people up for false hope. You better declare and decree the things that God is saying and not what you're saying. Yes, we can see some nice things. And yes, it's good to speak positive. Yes, it's good to speak all those good things. But if I'm going to decree anything, if I'm going to declare, let it be the word that I speak. Because the word is never wrong. Or let me pray in the spirit first. Because the spirit connects to the heart of God. And the heart of God will tell me what he wants to do in that, in that space. That's why your prayer life is important. That's why your time in prayer is important. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now for the word that they've heard. I pray that it pricks their hearts. I pray that it convicts them with a deep, holy conviction. I pray that it, it, it causes them and shifts them to begin to say, I will not operate or do or move and breathe in this way anymore. God, I want to do it this way. I pray that you would give them the grace that you would empower them and strengthen them to, to move and breathe as you did, that they would look at your example and realize when they said yes to you, you gave them all that you did and finished, you put it in us. And you said you can do more. You can do what I did and more. And I pray that you would allow faith to arise in them, that you would take their faith and arise, that they would begin to believe in who you are who you are, who you say you are. They would be convinced. And they, Lord, I pray that they would begin to steward this temple. They would begin to steward this altar and know that, Lord, this is dedicated and holy unto you and I will not engage in things that will cause it to be common. I will not handle you commonly. I will not be in contempt against you because I choose not to regard what you have given me, what you have placed in me that's so precious. But that I will live a life of love and that everything I do for you, Lord, would be motivated by the love that we have for you. That we would move and breathe by the love that we have for the Lord. And that if there's any other lover in our heart, we will divorce them right now. We will divorce them of our bloodline. And we will say today is the day that we love no other but the bridegroom, our Lord and Savior Jesus. That we will fully and completely be the bride. Because as the bridegroom is, so is the bride. 
The bride is everything the bridegroom is because we are one. And I will only be one to you. We will only be one to you. And we will not entertain another. Father, I plead the blood over them. And I just cover them with your love and your peace. And I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. That they with eyes would be wide open, full of the light of God. And they will walk in fresh wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are. Because that's the, the job of the fivefold ministry to not only build up but to and to and to edify but to bring unity because i cannot hold my fist tight my fist is not a fist without all five four fingers and a thumb so we need the five five the 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 fivefold ministry to build up to edify to bring the body into the true true unity and the true nature of who Christ Jesus is. Thank you, Lord. I just feel like I need to read that. That he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That means maturity. That means uh, that means completeness for the working of the ministry, in advancement, to for the kingdom of God to advance, for the edifying of the body to build God a house, to build God a house. Till we all come into the unity of faith. That means the diversity that separates us, that keep us, uh, that keeps us from being unified in Him. That all that stuff will be eroded away, and that, and that this, these, these gifts from God, these fivefold ministry would be the instrument to bring the people into unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So therefore, hence no more, let us be no more children tossed to and fro. Let us not waver. Let us believe the report of God and carried about with every wind of doctrine or every new thing that somebody's coming along with. People that don't fellowship with you in word, in spirit, is an open opportunity for the wolf in sheep's clothing to deceive and lead them astray. But I pray this group and the body and all those that would listen, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would know who you are. They would, so, they would be in such union, such relationship with you. They would understand the authentic. They would know the voice of the Lord and a stranger they won't entertain.
And I ask all this here, Lord. And Father, I pray. I pray for their giving. I pray as they give. I pray that you would bless them and keep them. That you would bless their seeds being sown. That, that all grace, the grace of God would abound greatly upon them. I pray that you would bless everything that puts their hands to. Every, everything, every idea that comes. Lord, that you would begin to give your people ideas. That you would allow entrepreneurs to arise. Father, I pray that you would allow niche jobs, things that they do well, and they just do it for the fun, Lord God, that they would realize that there's a market for that and that you would create that market for them and it would be lucrative. Father, I pray for them that you would keep them, that you would bring, you would allow the promise of salvation to run through their moms and their dads, their brothers, their sisters, their aunts and uncles, that those family members that don't know you, Father, because they are a seed, that has been laid in the ground and, it, and, it, and they're willing to die, that their death, their dying daily would give life to the plan of God for their family. Plead the blood over them, that you would keep them in all their ways and that you would allow their faith to not fail and that you, God, when they, that Lord, I pray that you would quicken their spirit when they're moving out of fellowship with you, when they're moving apart from you, when they're trying to do something outside of you, you would, you would alert them. You would bring a, a conviction that would cause their hearts to repent and come in alignment with you. That we would be no more people walking like little children, but we would walk wisely circumspectly we would walk not as a fool but we would walk in wisdom because we fear the lord and our fear of the lord is because we love him in jesus mighty name we pray amen and amen